standard issue for all women. Hello, Hannah here. Because Friday is International Women's Day, we're doing things a bit differently this week. We've got six podcasts for you covering the arts, science, sport and history, with one being released every day up until Saturday. We talked to writer Lisa Holdsworth about her new play, about the troubled life of playwright Andrea Dunbar. We chat to comedian Angela Barnes about women in history. We host a round table with the Royal Society of Chemistry. We talk a hundred years of women in the police with author and former police officer Jennifer Reese. We talk to Carla Williams about her production company, Ms. Mono. And we talk to Jill Scott, Manchester City and England midfielder, about the forthcoming Women's World Cup, among other things. So, loads to enjoy there. If you've got time, you should listen to them all. But before that, here's a bit more about the episode you found yourself listening to now. Hello, Jen here to tell you about this episode, the third in our series of International Women's Day specials, that you're about to listen to. In this episode, I'm chatting to not one, but two sporting legends. First up, Manchester City and England midfielder Jill Scott, and in the second half, England rugby captain Sarah Hunter. Just to clarify, in the interview with Jill, I'm referring to appearances for Manchester City, of which I'm reliably informed she has 136, while she's referring to England caps. And, uh, spoiler alert, City beat Arsenal 4-2 on penalties in the Continental Cup final. I chatted to the pair of them about their respective sports, including the forthcoming Women's Football World Cup and the currently ongoing Women's Rugby Six Nations tournament, as well as the incredible progress that's being made in women's team sports right now. I hope you enjoy. I'm joined on the phone by Manchester City and England midfielder Jill Scott. Jill, thanks very much for joining us. No worries. So as I was preparing for this interview yesterday, I found that it is extremely hard to find reliable stats on the Women's Super League online, which I was a bit surprised by. But what I did find out was that a year ago yesterday, you made your 100th appearance for Man City and that you'd scored 20 goals. So where are you up to now, a year on? I think I'm on 132 appearances now. Um, and I've scored a few more goals, so yeah, all all going well. Still managing to to run around. Well, yeah, I mean, you seem to be doing very well at, at the running around at the moment because you're having quite a good season, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. I think obviously I'm probably one of the most experienced. I was going to say older, but players of the squad. <laughs> so I've, I've been around a long time, but yeah, still enjoying it. And obviously we've got a cup final tomorrow, so these are the games that you kind of keep playing for. So as we speak, it's February the 22nd, but by the time this goes out, it will be March. So you're actually top of the league at the moment, having beat Everton 3-1 this week, and you're two points above Arsenal. Your next match is going to be, or your next league match is going to be March the 13th. How are you feeling about the season so far? Are you, are you excited? Yeah, I think I think we've done really well to kind of still be in the three competitions, the Continental Cup, the FA Cup and the League at this point in the season is, is really good. And we know this is where the, the pressure hits. But I think for a player, these are the most exciting times. We know that Arsenal have got two games in hand on us, so it, it is kind of in their hands in terms of we need them to drop points. But we've also got a big game against them. So 
anything can happen. And as I say, cup, cup final tomorrow, which you don't get to play in them very often. So it's a very exciting time for the team at the minute. So the last time you won the league was the 2016-17 season and you were runners-up last year. And as you say, Arsenal very much snapping at your heels at the moment. So your yeah. last match of the season, in fact, is going to be against Arsenal. How close do you think it's going to get as we go into this sort of last stage of the season? Yeah, I think it could come down to that last game. I think people look at it sometimes and think, oh, well, City will win their remaining games and Arsenal will win theirs. But we've had a few results this season with no disrespect to the other team. We, we probably should have won on, on chances created and we've come away with a draw. So it's been a very exciting season, I think. I've played in this league for a long time now and in the past you kind of could have predicted the scores going into the games which didn't make it very exciting for the people on the outside but now there's so many random results and I think that's why we're seeing more people come to the games and more people excited about the showdowns I suppose with Chelsea, Arsenal, City, mm. Birmingham so yeah it's it's gone, gone good at the minute for the game. Yeah, I mean, you've had quite a lot of change this season in terms of the structure of the league as well. Do you think that sort of second tier, the Women's Championship, do you think that will have a big impact on how it goes forward next season? Yeah, I think it's been good. Obviously, the introduction of Manchester United, they've obviously got a big fan base around them. And then you've got teams in WSL2 like Tottenham, who we faced the other week. And obviously, next season, you'll you'll find them teams coming up into, into the top tier. So I think it's good. I think the standard's getting better all the time. Maybe in the past, if we'd tried to have made two leagues, I think the standard would have been diluted uh, greatly. But I think the fact that we've been able to keep that high standard shows how many more girls are now playing football and how many people are now making them teams stronger. Well, I'm going to come back to that in in a minute, but sort of talking a bit more about Manchester City and, and what's going on there at the moment, I think that, you know, you're one of the clubs that I would say are doing really exciting things for women's football. We've had really high profile signings in the last couple of years, like US international Carly Lloyd in 2017 for a spell. You've got one of the highest match attendance records in the league. I think last season, the average match attendance for a Women's Super League game was 950 odd, but you and Chelsea were pretty much doubling that figure every match, as far as as far as I can tell, given the unreliable stats. Yeah. But one of the really unique things about City is that you play at the Academy Stadium, which is part of the Etihad campus, right? So that's also where the men's team play at the Etihad Stadium, which is quite a different setup to a lot of other women's teams where the matches they play will be sort of like out in the sticks somewhere as part of the training complex which isn't part of where the stadium is that the men's games are played at how important do you think that is for the promotion of your game yeah I think we're we're very lucky I think to come into these facilities every single day and call it work is just pretty amazing I think when when you take a step back and your families come to the games and they get to see the facilities and they're just really like, wow, this is where you get to come every day and train. So many pictures, the gym's fantastic and it really does create that environment which is a no excuse not to win and not to perform environment. The amount of work you mentioned about the attendances, the amount of work that goes on behind the scenes is incredible really and we really do have the best people working to try and get bums on seats ultimately and to reach 2,000, 3,000 people in the academy stadium has, has been fantastic for us and it really does make you feel lucky to wear this badge and as you mentioned before I think 
I think we really are being the driving force for setting the standards of how women's football should be. And yeah, we do know that we're in a privileged position compared to some clubs with what we have, but hopefully we can keep keep driving that standard and keep getting people interested in ultimately what is our game as a whole. So yeah, we feel very privileged to, to be at this club and hopefully we can reward them with some trophies this season. Fingers crossed. As you were sort of saying before, you've been in the game a while now. I mean, you must have seen a lot of change in that time, but going back to the point I made earlier about sort of it being quite difficult to find the information about women's football, I was very shocked to find on the even the BBC Sport website that WSL teams don't have their own club pages. I was really shocked to find that because I feel like WSL is quite well established now. And as you say, the, the standard is improving all the time and, and the professionalism within the game is is much more so than it, it would have been even two years ago. Do you think women's football is getting the support it needs to be able to thrive? I think for me, I've probably played in the, the top league now for try and work it out in my head, about 16, 17 seasons. I know that by how many pre-season trainings I've had to do. But we do do know there's still areas for improvement. But I think looking back at how much change there's been, I've I've got a lot of friends that are older than me who I played with in my Everton days and my Sunderland days. And they were still working and coming to training and playing night games. And then there were teachers, so they had to be at work at 7 o'clock the next morning. And then there was the introduction of central contracts. So this was international players having to do this. And that was preparing going into a World Cup. So although we know there is still areas to improve, I think we've got to look back and applaud the work that has been done and the change that has happened in such a short space of time since the introduction of the FAWSL, the club teams becoming professional. It is incredible from how far it's come from just, say, six, seven years ago. So, as I say, I do I do realise that there is part of it that we can still get better, we're still learning, but I think change like this doesn't just happen overnight and we do have to be thankful for how much work's being put in where it is now. So you're about to go into the international break and you have been announced as part of Phil Neville's squad for the She Believes Cup. So your first match is on the 27th of February, and so you're in pretty good company because a lot of your teammates from Manchester City also made the squad. You seem to be very much the dominant force in that squad. It's also a World Cup year as well. How much competition is there for a place on that squad at the moment? Yeah, the competition for places is probably the most it's ever been, to be honest. I think, the as you say, about the standard of women's football getting better and... I think what you see with this squad is there's a lot of changes from, from each trip, which shows how much chance there is for people to stake their claim for a World Cup place. But you'd expect the competition to be so high because we are going into a World Cup, which is one of the biggest tournaments you can ever compete in as a professional footballer. So, yeah, it's been, it's been good since Phil Neville's come in. I think we've started to get our identity as a team we've picked up some good results along the way but we have to make sure that we'll do it when it counts which will be this summer how confident do you feel about that at the moment because you must be one of the favorites going in yeah i think being an experienced player you you realize i've been lucky enough now to have already been to three world cups and i think you realize that every world cup is so different there's there's things that happen that you you can't even prepare for sometimes but I feel like we'll be prepared going into the tournament I feel like we've got 
such high quality individual players. I feel like there's a good feel around the team at the minute, but we need to just keep pushing on, not relying on what we have done and thinking about where we can go. We haven't won a, a major tournament yet, and that is definitely the aim for this squad. We, we definitely want to go one better. The World Cup in 2015, we got a bronze medal, which felt fantastic, but I think you always want to better your last achievement. Of course, and it does feel like, you know, there was there was a real buzz around the team I remember um, during the 2015 World Cup, it was sort of the point at which a, a lot of people who maybe hadn't been that interested in women's football before suddenly went, oh, hang on. Oh, this is, you know, something something to get involved in, something to get excited about. And obviously, you know, we are a nation that loves football. And obviously you were very much outperforming the men's team at that time. <laughs> and it feels like there's a real buzz around it again this year. It's exciting. And, and you know, do you get a sense that there'll be a big turnout in France for you guys? Yeah, I think there will be. I think in 2015, we were all the way in Canada. So we're, we were aware of the, how much atmosphere was being created back home, how many people were interested in the games. But it was more through social media and, and the internet. So I think... Being in France, I think more people will come to the games. I know so many people that are trying to get tickets now because obviously it's so close in distance for people to travel to. But I think as players, which is a bit different from the men, I think they always have that massive interest going into the tournament. Whereas I think sometimes for us, we do have the interest, but we know that we have a real opportunity to grow that interest whilst we're in the tournament. So we know we have to perform. And does that add a bit more pressure? Yeah, it, it does. But... We're doing it kind of for all them young girls out there and young boys who they might see us progress to a quarter-final, which means another game on telly. They might turn the telly on, see that game, and then want to start playing football themselves. So we do feel that responsibility that we, we have to do well to get more games shown and televised, and it's a real opportunity. But I think we've dealt well with that in the past, and hopefully we can carry that on in this tournament. Outside of the WSL and international football, you've also been running some academies for younger girls, is that right? Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. And you've you've got your coaching badges, so is that the next step for you? <laughs> I think people talk about this next step quite a bit, which I think one good thing when I joined Manchester City was, I think I was about 26, I think we, we spoke quite early on about what I'd want to do after football, so... I think early on I recognised that I would like to do coaching. So I've been doing soccer camps for a while now, whether it just be in the in the six weeks holidays. And it just gives girls an opportunity. I think because it's been girls only, a lot of them girls are used to turning up to soccer camps with boys and mm. the confidence levels weren't very good. So I've kind of kept it at, at girls only and seeing a lot of faces come back time after time, which is really pleasing. But yeah, I think for me, I'm just trying to, Obviously, football's my priority, especially going into probably my last few seasons, really. And then I'll, I'll sit down and think about think about what I, what I want to do after. But I'm quite excited by the future and, yeah, just kind of see where it takes us, really. I'm a very day-to-day person. I don't really like to plan too far ahead. So Fair I could enough. anywhere, really. Fair <laughs> enough. And, and obviously, you know, you've, you've got more of your playing career left to go as well. You must have seen a lot of change during your football career, as I said earlier. What 
do you think is the next step for women's football in England? How do you see it growing in the next few years? I think we'll have to just keep doing what we're doing, keep doing the right things. Obviously, we know that some clubs are in a more privileged position than others, so we need to make sure that we don't create a gap in terms of that. I think getting more people to the games all the time, I think that interest is really what what drives the game. I think getting more games on television or Facebook so that people can watch. I think there's definitely an interest there where people are like, can I watch this game? And sometimes you do still have to say no, which I think if the interest's there, then we'll have to make sure that we do get the games, even if it's on Facebook or on television. I think that's one of the big things. So it is getting better, don't get as wrong. There's a lot more access now, but I think it would be fantastic to say next season or the season after that, you would be able to watch any FAWSL game that is going on. That is the dream, isn't it? You've got the FAWSL Continental Cup final tomorrow, and that's against Arsenal. So those are the guys that are currently on your case in the league. How are you feeling about that? Are you feeling good about it? Yeah, I think this season's gone well in terms of winning games from going behind, winning games when we've been in front. And I think we've learned to cope in a lot of different situations. We're still unbeaten, which is good. And I think the squad really does feel high on confidence. We've got everyone back from injury, which is positive. And yeah, I just can't wait for it, really. I've been waiting for it all week. So yeah, hopefully get a good night's sleep tonight and then hopefully we can bring that trophy back tomorrow. Unbeaten still, so you're outperforming the men again then, aren't you? <laughs> I think there's a few games where we've we've got a couple of draws where we can probably look back and think they could have been wins, but yeah, we are unbeaten, so that's a, that's a great achievement uh, so far, but it's not going to mean anything unless we, we win things, so fingers crossed tomorrow's our day. Absolutely. Jill, thank you so, so much for joining us. And yeah, all, all the very best with the rest of the season and with the final tomorrow. And the World Cup, obviously. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Hey there, people of London and the surrounding areas. Anyone who's been paying attention will know that we've moved to a new London venue, King's Place, and a super venue it is too. We'll be back there on April the 18th with Jane Flippin' Horrocks and Helen Lederer. And again on May the 19th when we'll be chatting to she of Best Newcomer nomination at last year's Edinburgh Fringe, Sindhu V, and the legendary Catherine Tate. Am I bothered though? Actually, yes. Yes, I am. More info and indeed tickets can be found at sarahmillican.co.uk forward slash standard hyphen issue. I'm joined on the phone by Sarah Hunter, captain of the England women's rugby team. Sarah, thanks very much for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me on. I spoke to you for International Women's Day last year, at which point you were the third most capped England player, um, obviously women's England player, ever. You've got 111 caps now. Yeah. Are you the most capped England player now? No, Rochelle Clark holds that title, and I imagine it's going to take someone um, pretty, pretty unique to overtake that. I think she's on something like 137 caps, so uh, she certainly set that ball very high to even match or or go beyond. So, so yeah, she's an absolute legend of the game, and um, she retired at the end of last season from international rugby. Well, you know, it's something to aim for. Pretty yeah. good. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it one game at a time um, and, and see how far we get up and get then. 
last time we spoke, you were in quite a different situation as a team in terms of contracts and sort of professionalism of the game. So the situation's moved on quite significantly since then. How big an impact has that made on the game? Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic that we've we've now full time athletes and we get paid to to play for a job that we we love to do. You know, chucking a rugby ball about doesn't feel like going to work. That's for sure. But it was only came about since January, so that's been a relatively short time in terms of the impact it can have, especially for these Six Nations. Um, I don't think we'll really see the impact of professional rugby for us come probably like a bit down the line. I think the reason that we're we're doing so well is that I think what came before professional contracts was the investment into our domestic league, you know, the Tyrrell's Premier Fifteens, um, through the money that RFU put into that to make those clubs uh, a really good place for us to, to develop as players and we, we're into the second year of that. So the infrastructure we've had with SNC medical coaching provision, I think, has played a big part in the impact of this Six Nations. And then I think professionalism will come following that. But we play week in, week out, like a high quality of rugby. We're getting a high level of coaching and strength and conditioning. You know, you've seen players such as Tatiana Hurd, Hannah Bottman, Sarah Beckett, all these players that have performed well and had the investment through their clubs are now coming into the England pathway you are in the middle of the Six Nations as we're recording this and you are top of the table you're the only team left that could win a Grand Slam at this point how are you feeling about the tournament right now you know the Six Nations is probably one of the best tournaments to, to play in uh, outside of the, the World Cup you know just the, the history that goes with it and it's always, always a really exciting time to to be playing rugby and and this year's no different. It just so happens, obviously, results have gone gone our way. You know, we've put in performances to, to enable us to, to to get us to this position. And you know, we've still got it's been a, it's a long tournament, and we've still got two games to to go. And we're really excited by those two games and to see how far we can push ourselves. You know, we haven't had the finished performance yet. Um, that frustrates us as a as a side that is really driven by how good we can be and the standards that we set. So we'll be looking in each one of those games as to to really see if we can can increase and improve on what we've we've done so far. And I know people are talking about this Grand Slam, and I think every team that enters a competition wants to win and wants to win the tournament. But you know we've got two two games left, and it'll be doing a complete injust to, to those teams and disrespect if we if we don't look at them um as they come along and you know we've got Italy on on Saturday and that that's the only focus that we've got is how much of a good performance can we put in against Italy and what can we do in order to to get the result that we want so with Italy that's as you say that's this weekend that's March the 9th and then you've got Scotland on March the 16th Italy are obviously second in the table at the moment, so that could be quite challenging. What what are your expectations for that match? Yeah, completely. You know, Italy uh, are a, a very high performing team, and they've shown it year on year in the Six Nations that they're they're getting better every every year with the investment that their their government's obviously putting into into them. 
and they're very unpredictable. So, you know, we can't take them lightly. We'll be expecting the unexpected with Italy, that's for sure. And, you know, they've got a real strong pack of forwards that will will lay a foundation for, for their backs to play off. And they've got some very talented backs that you know, like, we'll do stuff that you don't see week in, week out. They play with a lot of flair, so, you know, we'll be looking at them on their merits and seeing where their strengths lie and how we're going to come up with a game plan to, to play against them. And you must be in the middle of training at the moment. How is that going? Yeah, so we're actually we've got a few a few days off. So we had, um, obviously, with the schedule of, of Six Nations and the toll that it takes on your body, both physically and mentally, you know, uh, management are really good at of getting that balance right. So we were in camp over over the weekend, which was like quite physical. We didn't play a game, so we obviously bring that intensity into into training. So yeah, we've got a couple of days off from team training. You know, we still got to go to the gym and do all mm. our conditioning and weights and stuff like that and our skills, and then we'll come together for for a game on Thursday. Sky Sports have done a really, really great job of promoting women's rugby and I think that they're showing all of the England games over the uh, Six Nations and also there have been highlights on the BBC. What kind of difference is that making and, and does that feel like real tangible progress now? Yeah, I think it's absolutely huge progress. You know, from my first Six Nations I was involved with, no game was televised, not even the, the big games of the tournaments. Like, we didn't really get many people to, to watch the game you know there was no coverage in the in newspaper there was no highlights package social media didn't really exist back then so there wasn't really any way to to generate momentum or interest whereas now you know sky sports showing all our fixtures but also the work they do to behind that to promote not just women's rugby but women's sport in general mm. you know the big players in this arena you know so by them backing us and trying to generate support and getting it out there for people to see you know that's really important and then obviously the the BBC with their highlights program it for those that haven't got the availability to to watch necessarily Sky Sports it it gives them another means to watch and and then the the follow-up through social media through the the press now like I mean people players we're now getting ratings on how well we're doing which is significant and like you either like it or you don't because it might not be what you you think but actually to be put up in in that in that area you know to to be considered the, the same as the way that the men will be rated i think is really important and i think that's had a knock-on effect with spectators audience and crowds coming to, to watch us you know four and a half thousand at Doncaster set to be smashed at Sandy Park by all accounts for the amount of tickets that have been sold you know there is an interest out there and by us taking it around the country we're we're generating a new fan base and exposing our, our game to to new audiences which is which is huge and it's fundamental for for us if we want to to go on and, and develop. For anyone listening you can watch these games on TV or you can actually watch them live the matches are going to be at Sandy Park Park in Exeter on the 9th and at Twickenham on the 16th and I would think the latter is going to be quite the atmosphere if you do end up winning the tournament so with schemes like show up another thing the sky has been sort of massively involved in are you expecting a big turnout yeah I mean success generates that like snowball effect of uh, people wanting to 
to see what it's all about and i think the fact that we've had a successful campaign so far today and and people are starting to talk about it and people tune in and watch and see like that you can see the atmosphere that is at the the, the games when we get big crowds there and you know i think it like it is a momentum swing about people talking about it. and i think that's a great thing about social media like you say about the show up campaign but then people getting on board with that people that have gone to the games people that are trying to get more people there and you know the work that's been done on the ground in the local areas like i know exeter chiefs and sandy park are, are doing a, a great job to try and promote and sell tickets there that hopefully will be backed up with a strong crowd at twickenham you know so it, it's great to see and it really does make a difference you know doncaster was incredible the atmosphere was amazing that you know it was like a cauldron you could feel it and you can and you know it's a patriotic crowd. You know it's supporting you. We like we've been to France last year, seventeen and a half thousand people there, and I mean there was a handful of our English supporters in there. But you can very much tell the difference between when a crowd's behind you and supporting you, and one that is totally against mm. you, and it, it does make the difference. After this tournament, what's next for England rugby? We obviously have a bit of a, a break from England rugby while we go back to our clubs and finish the the Tyrrells Premier season there, and then um, we'll have a summer tour, which will be exciting to to go away and again push on. I'm not sure where or who we're playing yet, but it's normally a really good test and challenge for us. We normally go away from home, so you know people are learning to play in countries and get used to that travel and get used to that tour mentality of being away for a few weeks and playing games and that so that's really exciting to to look forward to after after we sort of put the the six nations and domestic season to to bed and with the tools league is that televised some of the games are yeah sky are also supporting that so they've shown a handful of games this year and it's also england rugby tv have also um, streamed some games live as well so yeah, they're starting to show the domestic game and then the semi and the final because we have playoff systems similar to the men. They'll all be all be shown live on, on Sky, I believe. So there you go. Women's rugby is not just for the Six Nations. You can watch it throughout, yeah. which is excellent. Absolutely. And we've seen a lot of people generate either people that have come to watch us at our club level have then come to England or vice versa. They've come to watch England and then they've wanted to go and watch their nearest club and then they've become fans of the local Tyrrells Premier 15s team, which is brilliant to see. Absolutely. If you want to get tickets for either of those matches, you can go to, and this is a very, very snappy link, by the way, www.sixnationsrugby.com forward slash team forward slash England dot women forward slash hashtag tickets. And I would also suggest if you just Google it, that might be. Yeah, I think if you go direct to Exeter Chiefs, the link for the tickets is on for Sandy Park. And the tickets for Twickenham are free. So if you walk in at the end of the game, oh, so you don't wow. even need to pay. Yeah, wow. so it's after the men's game. So the gates are open. You walk in after afterwards. So that one you don't need don't need to pay. Well, that sounds like an excellent Saturday to me. Sarah, thank you so much for chatting to us today and very, very best of luck with the rest of the tournament and with the uh, domestic league. Thank you ever so much. Thank you for having me on. Hi, Hannah here. Just so as you know, we've got a load of great interviews coming your way in the coming weeks and months. Jen met the brilliant Jessica Hines to chat about her new film, The Fight. And all three of us went to the set of HBO's Gentleman Jack. I shit you not and grab some time with its creator and director, Sally Wainwright. 
If you want to make sure you don't miss out on any of these chats with brilliant women, please subscribe either on Acast or iTunes. Standard Issue for All Women.